0: space the final frontier this is the podcast of the graphic content feed talking about the new episode of star trek discovery on this episode of graphic content stay a while and listen he called you a cowboy what is sam hill what did he mean what are you i'm the abomination the strongest mutant of all uh.
1: Know this swimming bird. Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've got me done. This blue eye perceives all things conjoined.
0: cared much for the word impregnable. The past. Sounds a bit too much like unsinkable. The future. What's wrong with unsinkable? Nothing. And the present. As the iceberg said to the Titanic. What's How's life? He seems not. All of the equipment.
2: Please,
0: I've seen its true face. What's going on here? Survival, Captain. Plain and simple. Open the pod
1: bay doors, Hal.
0: And we're back with a special episode of the Graphic Content Podcast. My name is Jim, and I've got some guests in the studio to talk. The first episode of Star Trek: Discovery. See what CBS does is they give you the first one for free, like any good drug dealer. And then you're pan through the nose after that. And joining me on this returning to the high tech graphic content studio is Mr. Robert Lucchese. How you doing, sir? I'm doing great. How you doing? I you know what? We just spent the last hour watching a new Star Trek show, something I thought we'd never see on TV first run again. I'm doing pretty damn good. I gotta be quite honest.
2: Yeah, I have to say that it's more it's different than what I was expecting. But I kind of set my standards low so I can be impressed.
0: Well, there you go. (laughs) And, you know, when I said we, I mean, not just you and me, but we've got a first-timer here in the studio. Hello. Hello, it's Mr. William Hoffnack. How the hell are you, sir? Good, good. I'm glad. Thanks for uh, letting me come out here. It's been a while since I've done any kind of recording, so I'm excited to be out here. Well, we're glad to have you, and uh, we're glad that you survived the trip into Stockton, so congratulations.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's always a little bit of
0: a riff. You never know when you might catch a stray bullet, so we're just really glad you made it here in one piece. So look, Star Trek Discovery, there's been a lot of what I like to call Sturman drawing on the internet as to is this, is it prime timeline? Is it Kelvin timeline? Because it sure looks like the J.J. Abrams, Justin Lin Star Trek films, um, you know, and and it was it was a it was and just like you know maybe to echo what you said, Robert, I didn't get what I was expecting, and I think that it, I think that I didn't get what I was expecting in a good way. So with that preface, um, this is going to be a fairly typical review episode for graphic content, where we're go- simply going to talk about what we like. Then we're going to talk about what we didn't like. We're going to sum it up all at the end of the, of the show. And instead of giving it a one to five star rating or golden circle or shields or whatever, we're, we're simply going to recommend whether you should get CBS All Access so that you can set this for appointment viewing. Or should you wait for the blue R- Blu-ray bl- 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 Blu- <laughs> collection? I think I'll leave that in. Uh, the Blu-ray collection when that will eventually come out. So, guys, are you ready? Yeah, let right. do it. Number one, engage. So, I, I'm going to give it to our newest member of our team here. Will what did you? Th- what were some of the things that you liked about this show? There was there was a lot to like about this
1: show. There it wasn't a perfect show by any means, but th- there was definitely a lot to like. Um, as was stated earlier, it was. Good in a different way, or different in a good way, if you want to sum it up that way. Yeah, it was not what I was expecting. Um, it was not what necessarily was advertised, at least the way that I interpreted it, the way they it. marketed it, sure. Yeah, but um, there was a lot to like, and I mean, first of all, just as you noted, there's there's references to kind of the 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 look and feel of the J.J. Abrams series
0: mm-hmm. lens flare,
1: exactly right, <laughs> and and also just very sleek the 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 way that the screens looked, the buttons looked, yeah. the the overall look and feel of the ship yep. was very much in that line. Even the um, the Vulcan learning pods oh, were, yes. were very very
0: similar. And I'm just gonna stop you mm-hmm. for one second. If you have not seen Star Trek Discovery yet, I want to warn you that. All of our reviews on graphic content are spoiler heavy, so look it's it's probably for free on CBS.com. Go ahead, turn this pa- podcast off, list, uh, watch that show, then listen to this show. Or if you don't give a shit, then by all means <laughs> keep listening. Right. But we just want to give you the warning that there's a full, this is a full on spoiler filled podcast. Spoiler cast. Anyways, we're yes. sorry to stop you, Mitch. No, no, no there.
1: problem. The. Um... The the one thing that I liked more than anything out of the whole thing was um, just the overall art design of the Klingons. Um, I, I found it extremely intriguing. It was something different, but yet somewhat similar, right? Yeah. Um, so it, it it allowed there there was a certain creativity there that you you know there's a lot of people who hold on to, to art design and and character design and story plot as like a holy grail, and I appreciate that they didn't hold that too close. Right. And they let it explore, and they let it kind of grow into something a little different. And that that I found very intriguing.
0: Yeah. I'm definitely in agreement with you on a lot of those things. What about you, Robert? Well. Well, (laughs) (laughs) now.
2: Here we go. I have to say that it had a very strong beginning. When you have a TV show that opens up with the Klingon dialect... And the little Klingon. The
0: uh, Well, first it was Klingon uh, uh, characters. Yes. I yep. mean, the, yep. the subtitles, it's like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> yep. No, opened up with Klingon. Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And hearing them make references to what would have been Klingon canon Kalis and, you know. The Black um, Fleet. The Black Fleet. Yep. Everything about it. Just screamed. Okay, they really are trying to keep true to the Klingons, yet change it up a little bit as far as costuming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, the costuming is the one thing that I'm on the fence about. I'm not 100% sold on it. Okay. Um, it's very Thanos
0: looking. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's definitely uh, Galactic Couture. I think that's the yeah. one. <laughs> Right, right, right.
2: And it's kind of reminiscent of the Zindi species a little bit. Interesting. Yeah. But like I said, I need to see more of it and just to see just how practical their armor, such as it is, right, works for them. But the mythology, I think, is going to be kept true. It's just the physical aspect of it that it's going to take some getting used to.
1: Well, right. You know? And especially when you're talking about a, a myth-heavy species like, like the Klingons, right, Yeah. that we've learned so much about that have a really deep and rich culture, it's extremely important to hold yeah. as much of that true in order to... I mean, that is that is that that is part of like a Holy Grail type thing, right? It is one you, of
0: those sacred cows. Yeah, if where... you do it
1: wrong, you're you're going to just completely lose... A, a huge section of fan base.
0: Because you know, the Romulans, I'm sorry, but you know, to take another species, the Romulans have this very dry, very almost business like look at warfare, at strategy and tactics. Whereas Klingons, they have a, a an almost metaphysical belief in their in the superiority of their species. Yep. And that's not something you could take away from the Klingons and and really still call them Klingons. At that point, you might as well call them, I don't know, the X-Race. I mean, fill in the blank on what the name is.
1: Well, yeah. And I mean, that's a big part of the whole Star Trek universe as a whole, right? And especially the earlier Star Trek series. Part of what made all the different races really great and intriguing is that, they are an extreme of human nature in some ways, yes, right? Yes, and and the Klingons are like honor and war and battle. They're they're that really aggressive side, right? Right. Um. And, and so and you maybe a degree
0: of xenophobia on top of that, for sure, right? Yeah. And
1: that's and I mean those go hand in hand. Yeah, right? I agree with the whole
2: xenophobia bit because to the Klingons, Earthers, as they refer to us, <laughs> you know, are you know weak and. You know, don't have the sensibilities right. that they have. The next generation is what really wrote the book right. on, you know, oh, the absolutely, because I, yeah, the original Klingons basically were created to be the equivalent of the Russians, right? In, right. Yeah. In the nineteen sixties, yes, very much. so. And so there is okay, there are very warring species, that, you right. know. They honor the blade, you know. They rather use the blade than the disruptor.
0: Well, and then you had eighty four, eighty five when Christopher Lloyd played. Uh, I, I can't remember. Colonel Krug. Krug. Yeah, Krug. Krug. Yep, you Colonel know. Krug. Yeah. Give me the Genesis torpedo. Well, Tor- and that's, torpedo, and that's a big Kirk. thing. Is,
1: is is a lot of people don't seem to remember <laughs> that 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 Christopher Lloyd in that role basically invented the modern Klingon. He really right? did, yeah. and and I mean that's it's a huge nod to him, right?
2: Yes. And, and exactly. part
0: of what he's done. Exactly.
2: Just like giving you know,
0: them their sense of alienness, their sense of we are not human. We and are that, that aggressiveness, just yes. the way
1: he played that was beyond anything that we'd seen before out of a Klingon. Good point.
2: Because in the mo the Star Trek, the original motion picture, yeah. The Klingons are on screen for maybe about right. two minutes. Yep. Two minutes right before the beginning before yep. they're getting set to Tron World. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, you know. Uh, as you would say, you know, crossing the streams here, a little yeah, bit. bit right. A little bit, sorry. But when it opens up, you know, on the familiar Klingon ship, and then you see them doing what they're doing, people are looking like those are Klingons when everyone's used to, you know, the 60s version. Right. And I'm trying to keep that frame of mind with these new Klingons that, okay, it's it's an evolutionary you know, step right
1: forward or backwards, how ha- you know, however you want to look at it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess it it's summed up that, that we have to take into account this is Klingons, but it's Klingon for a new age.
0: Right? Well, and also I have to say that you know this is giving them their due. Is that and by them I mean the producers. Mm-hmm. This is Klingons in 4K high definition. Right. These are Klingons where just doing the bony ridges like they did in either the. Uh, the, the Star Trek feature films featuring the original cast in the 80s or Next Generation, the late 80s, early 90s, et etc., cetera, et cetera, where that stuff is easily seen and picked apart, whether you watch it on your computer, on your smartphone, yep. on your television, it has to look seamless. It has to look like it's completely alien, that there's something different about it. Because it's going to be picked apart by people like you and me yep. and everybody else, Robert <laughs> included, where we're going to be pinch zooming on our smartphone, going, "There, I knew it. They <laughs> were totally using CGI there." Yep. But it, it 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 helps bring us into the story a little bit more. So, would I have liked the Klingons to have looked a little bit more? like the Klingons that I remember from TNG, DS9, et cetera, maybe I'll I'll drop that in my what I didn't like about it so much. But, man, they swung for the fences, I thought. Mm -hmm. I mean, for some of the things that I liked about it was the production design of it was so sleek Mm -hmm. and so brilliant and wow, you know, it, it, it captured everything I liked about the J.J. Abrams-produced uh, films. Yeah, and wasn't quite as over-the-top. Exactly. Right, a little dialed back. And and yes, there was some lens flare there, but I think that was some shorthand for the viewers to say, yes, we're in the prime timeline, but hey, we want everybody here, so watch this new version of Star Trek well, with us.
1: Yeah, you want to give them something familiar. Exactly. right? And the newer generation is more familiar.
0: But... Wow, the special effects. Holy crap, these VFX guys who are working on this show have done the lord's work with this. I am so blown away by the the astronomical, literally the astronomical backgrounds that these guys created with the sense of two binary stars interacting, yep. the asteroid field that in and the way that Commander Burnham um, who is Saniquea Martin Green char- Green's character? Who she used to play on The Walking Dead and was fantastic on that show. I love the fact that she got this ex- sense of exhilaration, which helped her become the viewpoint character for the audience as she's there dodging and weaving in between all these asteroids to to get to the MacGuffin of the episode. Right, and I really. Enjoyed the fact that the captain is not the lead character in this film. They actually delivered on the promise yeah. of the first officer being the POV character for this show. What did you guys think about Sonequa Martin-Green's Michael Burnham?
1: Um, so, to, to kind of start off, when it first started, I was unimpressed. Yeah. I, was, I was very... Disappointed overall, you're I talking mean, when they were on the desert planet, not well, the entire kind of first half of the okay. episode. Okay, um, I felt like the acting was very stale, not just her, but everybody in general, right? Um, and it might just be kind of the way that it, it might have been more directorial choice to do it that way, I'm not Maybe. quite sure, but I was th- to me, that was kind of one of the big things I was, I was really, really not interested in or not uh, impressed by right off the start. Right. But by the end of the episode, I felt like either one, either they did a good job of sucking us into where that uh their acting and their dialogue felt better yeah, or they just did a better job at it. I'm yeah, not quite maybe sure. Maybe they
0: spent more time on that second half. Piece. Yeah. And,
1: and I'm not totally sure, but especially, yeah, on the desert planet, I, I thought that scene that opened up the whole, the whole uh, introduction into our Starfleet characters there it was kind of fun, yeah, but it was also very stale. It yeah, was very predictable. It wasn't. It was. I, I was. I was a little disappointed right at that point, but I, gladly, I felt like it just got better from there.
0: And it also didn't help that that was some of the footage that they showed at San Diego Comic Con. That's been in a lot of their teaser trailers and promotional reels. It's been something that we've already right. seen a lot. So to spend that much temporal real estate, that much time to to really get us to use that as to get us into these characters' lives, I thought was a little bit lost. Now, I'm a big Michelle Yeoh fan from my For days sure. Definitely. of watching Hong Kong action cinema from going way back in the day. And to see Michelle Yeoh in an American production to me was awesome, but I totally agree with you where I thought she was stiff in the first yeah, half. Yeah, yeah, especially that first half. Oh, God, and ma- again, yeah. it
1: might have just been the 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 dialogue choice. I'm not totally sure. I may yeah. have to rewatch that. But um yeah, it just felt very much like very cardboard, very rigid. Everything was almost felt like it was being read from cue card. Well,
0: almost like she was she was an XY version of Jean-Luc Picard. You know, she is a diplomat first, she doesn't fire on how many times have we heard this from Starfleet captains? We're Starfleet, we don't fire first, we don't we don't we're not the aggressors in these situations, you know. We don't swat the dog on the nose with the newspaper, you know, we wait for the dog to eat our children first. You know, that's the way Starfleet <laughs> operates. And I've heard that, that spiel before. I mean, how do you feel about... Maybe we're getting into our negatives a little early, but hell, let's do it. Uh, Robert, what, what did you think about that?
2: Well, I agree with the statement. It's kind of like, in a way, like a Jean-Luc Picard, you know, the whole diplomat first and trying to keep true yeah. to the, um, you know, the aspect of the Federation. But at the same time, there are certain things about her that kind of reminded me of Captain Janeway in Voyager. Huh. Okay. In, in fact, not just for being, you know, a female captain, uh, but just the fact that her kind of mannerisms, you know, when that one scene where she calls uh, Michael into her ready room, I just kind of pictured, you know, the whole interaction between Janeway and Bellana Torres sometimes. Oh. The Bellana Torres being hot Okay, yeah, yeah, I could see that. You know, you know, so being kind of, you know, dressed down. You know, so I kinda see
0: that. Well, and that's where the show picked up for me, I yeah. thought, is when they had that that essence of conflict where, you know, again, spoiler heavy podcast kids, but Michael Burnham goes to talk to Sarek mm-hmm. over subspr- Subspace subspace subspace. Subspace <laughs> channel. <laughs> and Sarek basically he gives up the goods on how the Vulcans were able to maintain diplomatic relations with the Klingons, and that was because they fired first. Well, right, they, they came and came, taught them from a position of power. Exactly. You know, who's going to be the alpha dog right. in the conversation?
2: They basically swatted the Targ on the nose. Yes, <laughs> for the targ- exactly, <laughs> with
0: their holo newspaper. And Captain Giorgio, Giorgio, I think, is her name, uh, she was having none of it because she is a... True blue. Because she's Starfleet. Starfleet officer. She's rank and file and to the book, and that's the way it's going to be. And, you know, yes, I get that fact, but it was the first half of it where it was like, no, we're not going to do this because this is not what we're doing. We're Starfleet. That's it. And, you know, those stock answers, how many times have we heard Mm -hmm. across, what, five previous television series at this point? So the second half where... You know, we see Commander Burnham, who was raised on Vulcan after her parents were killed by Klingon raiders. Yep, I can't wait to get into that. Story. Yeah, yeah, I
1: want to definitely. That's one of the intriguing parts that I need to see, I need to hear more about right. what happened there
0: because the Klingons, they said at the beginning of this episode, hadn't been encountered. They've been in, in a state of cold war with the Federation for about a hundred years, but they have not had direct engagement yet. Commander Burnham's family was lost, and she was the only survivor, to be raised as the secret adopted human child of Sarek, which is more story that I think adds and broadens the Star Trek mythology. Mm-hmm. But we didn't get that until, what, the 45-minute mark? Right. I mean, it was deep into the first episode, but to see a human pull off a Vulcan nerve pinch, I'm going to go back and say that was <laughs> fucking cool. So, you know, so, yeah. uh, uh, but anyway, Robert, I'm sorry, man. I didn't mean to roll over on you that, but it just it just got a brainwave going for me there. That's understandable. Yeah, I got a lot of them. Damn noodle. <laughs> anyway.
2: I'd have to say going touching on the whole Vulcan neck pinch, you know I, I I like that and the fact that even though like you said that you expected that maybe them to be out an hour or something like that mm-hmm. you know well, if
0: Spock did it. I mean, that guy would be out for the rest of the show if the, right. if the writers right. needed the, those guys True. out. But you,
1: you always at least got that impression that right. when, when Spock does a nerve pinch, they're out for a while. That's it, right?
0: you know,
2: and, done. And, you know, she being human and don't have that extra strength. of, Or the, maybe the, even telepathic. Yeah, some yeah. kind of psychic aspect yes, to it. Yes. But it could be the same kind of thing as in the original series. Dr. McCoy had a devil of a time trying to do... The Vulcan salute. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true.
0: You know, I can't. You know, can't do it as well as the Vulcans. It's like some people just can't curl their tongue, despite the best of intentions. So you know, true. But uh, I, I just found myself really, really taken aback by by how much I enjoyed Michael Burnham. You know, mm-hmm. the fact that this is a character that was n- written neither for a male or a female character. That they they got a uh, a, television a-, a television actress of the caliber of Sonequa Martin-Green to say, hey, Walking Dead, most popular show on basic cable ever. I'm going to leave to go do a network television show that's only going to be on a new streaming service. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that takes a lot of guts to do something like that. And I thought that her her performance was was rock solid. And again, well, just, just repeating what you said, the second half of the show is when things light up on yep. this one. That's where it really happens. Um, I think one of the negatives for me for this show was the fact that bearing all the marks of a Starfleet, Star Trek show, that I was a little thrown off by the fact of, okay, this is where I'm going to out myself as being a (laughs) super nerd. I am such a nerd right now. My glasses are literally taped on one side right now. (laughs)
2: I'll I can attest a, to that.
0: He can attest to it. He's seeing my left side going, dude, you are a fucking <laughs> nerd. But the, the thing is, is that I was a little taken back by the Delta Shield already being the universal symbol for Starfleet. If you know your original series, that we refer to as TOS, all each ship had their own different customized badge. Definitely. And Starfleet uniforms for you know, the organization was like a Starburst pattern badge that they wore at Starbases and at Starfleet Command. And I just, I don't know why that took me out of it so much, but because they made so much soup out of saying, this is 10 years before Star Trek, the original series, it just, those little details took me out of it. Sure, Um, sure. You know, I love the design, the production design of the bridge. I love the production design of the Klingons. I loved all of the architecture of the ship they were on, the architecture of the Shenzhou. We yep. haven't seen the Discovery yet. As no, of the no we haven't even seen it yet, yeah, have we? Only only in the ad for All Access that they ran at the end of the yeah. episode. I, I just, I, as much as I love the production design, I would have enjoyed maybe a little bit more throwback. I'm not necessarily saying have the polyhedral type uh, corridors that they had, you know, which looked like it was cut out by you know in the shape of d and d dice as you're walking right, down right. the hallway. <laughs> but I, I think I would have enjoyed something that was a little bit less stainless steel, that had a little bit more that was using more plastics or using you know well you know and that was you, you know,
1: know while we were watching the show we were talking a little bit about uh, uh, the ship design mm-hmm. and there was. I like that, you know. As as a plus, you can definitely see the the connection to the Enterprise design, right? Yeah. Um, very much by the,
0: the and you mean Star Trek Enterprise, Star the, Trek
1: Enterprise the, the show, yes, yes. yes Scott so. Bakula led exactly. Show. Um, yeah. the Captain Archer led ship, right? Yes. Um, and the NXO one, if we want. Oh, very yeah. well okay. done, sir. So yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so um, you know, you could definitely see a connection there. And you can see certain connections to J.J. Abrams, but to your point that you're you were talking about, I I almost don't like that if it's leading into the original series. You didn't see any of the sleekness like that you would see in the Constitution class right. Enterprise afterwards, yeah, where things were very smooth, very, um, you know these these were ships that were not really warships, right. They Were explorer ships, and everything was very sleek and smooth, or you know as the as the internet likes to call it, it's you know built on creature comforts, right? And, and or they say you know carpeted spaceships, right? Carpeted, if you, you know, if you have carpeted... the ship
2: that Apple built, exactly, that's right. exactly, <laughs> and that's
1: and, and you know they I have would've... a genius bar, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, hopefully it's not as good as ten forward. I'd rather go right? there, but uh, <laughs> yeah, right, but Jeez. um, but no, the um. But yeah, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more smoothing out in the Federation ships to kind of almost connect between the two. Exactly, um, where I felt more like a ship that was designed you know, like post DS Nine once yes. they were in the the war, you know, with the the Gamma Quadrant, right? Exactly, um, something a little more bulky
0: and battle like like the Defiant class ship, exactly. you know. I, I found my, the dataless class or yeah. the ex, oh wow that, <laughs> there you're, you're going a certain place on that one. I found myself enjoying the production design a lot, but at the same time going, well what does this mean for connecting it to the original series? And I think I said during one of the commercial breaks that it would make a lot of sense for Starfleet to determine what it is. Maybe this is Starfleet's identity crisis. And maybe they are moving into a state where they're almost too militaristic. And then they decide to back off and become less militaristic and mm-hmm. institute, you know, the satin dress uniforms. And then, you know, the sweaters and primary colors where, you know, it's not as threatening and, and whatnot. I, I, I can see the growth to that. But I think by making it so sleek and so cool. And again, I can love the design elements. But at the same time, I can also be be somewhat concerned for how do you make that jump, or are they even going to bother to make that right. jump, right. and just decide to do another reboot of Star Trek based on on the design principles that they're laying the foundation of in Discovery? That's or, what I'm worried. I about.
1: mean, or the other, I mean, the other aspect is is it more. Anthology-based. Right. Does it, does it necessarily have to connect or be the same or just something a little bit different in kind of the same world?
0: Right. And and I think they were talking a lot about that when Brian Fuller was staying on the show. Yeah, but
1: originally it was going to be
2: an anthology series where each, much like American Horror Story, each uh, season right. was different. Like one season will take place, you know, in the TOS era. The next, you know... Post, you know, Deep Space Nine.
0: Maybe yep. a third yep. season could be Super Spy Hijinks with Section well, Thirty One. I, you think, I know? think that yeah. that's a, that a... I that
1: I think I even remember didn't wasn't weren't they talking at one point of actually doing an anthology like each episode like something they like they were Black talking about if even doing yeah. it like that. And, and I remember
0: thinking that was one yep. of the
1: most intriguing ideas for Star Trek I'd ever heard. I was to like,
0: actually explore
1: the universe well, exactly, of Star Trek, exactly. Yeah. Well, and if you guys remember, even before that, and and something I'm. I want to say I'm slightly disappointed by not in the series, but just uh-huh. in the way in the way this came about was, if you remember back in the day, they were first talking about bringing uh, a series to Netflix. It's oh yeah, a number of years back. Oh yes, and what they were talking about was making it in um, uh, during um, Starfleet Academy. Yes, was what it was going to be based and on someone.
0: It was someone- going to be the young Kirk, Spock, yep. and McCoy. Yep. And- and everything they went through. And I
1: just thought that the idea of actually seeing... St- uh, the way I pictured it in my head was like, it's like Degrassi High, right. but in Star Trek. <laughs> and I thought, as much as that kind of sounds stupid, it also sounds really unexplored and interesting. Well, and <laughs> I...
0: I mean, now you're going to get me off on, a, on one of our classic tangents right now. I can't remember the name of the TNG episode, but it was the one where they visited Wesley Crusher at the Academy.
1: Yep. Yep. Yes. That's and the one where uh, where where Wesley gets in the accident, right? gets his- in the the accident with yeah.
0: the with the guy who is Tom Paris, but not Tom exactly. Paris from yeah. Voyager, yeah. Tom <laughs> Paris, yeah, Proto Paris, <laughs> and I think that was one of my favorite TNG episodes of all time. Oh, and the no. uh, the the Gardener, the Gardener was um, what's his name, uh, Ray Walston,
1: yeah. yeah, but the his, his character Boothby. name Boothby. There yes. it is, yeah, yeah, but to see <laughs> the great
0: Ray Walston one of his final performances. Uh, no, check that, because he went on for a run on picket fences after that. But mm. but still, he was, I mean, just one of the most fantastic things ever. And it showed that you can get a lot of mileage from an academic setting mm-hmm. in a sci-fi universe. Right. That would be a great story to tell for one of these seasons if they decide to go for the seasonal anthology with this show. But all of that is up in the air based on how successful it is on DC All Access.
2: DC Comics actually did a... A young, star- oh, I said DC, I meant to say CBS All Access. <laughs> Excuse me, <laughs> no, <but> sorry guys, <laughs> no, DC Comics. Um, because they did uh, a Star Trek series for a while and they also released a series that um, takes place in Starfleet, yeah, at the, the, the Academy,
0: yeah. And I think IDW is doing a Starfleet Academy mm-hmm. series, they are, so, yeah. So, I, I think that there's some look, this is a show. That is equal parts promise and peril to me. I I feel like there's so much good stuff happening, but man, that first half was a slog to get through. It was a a
1: little painful, but at the same time, it's just, as we kind of mentioned at the very beginning, it's just good to see
0: Star Trek back on television. God, yes. Right. Even if it's
2: for one night. (laughs) Well, yeah,
0: I know. And and that's going to lead me to my next question in just a second, but goddamn... I almost feel like Star Trek belongs on television more yep. than it belongs in feature films. Oh,
1: definitely. Not no, that I, I, I tot- totally
0: agree. Look, I'll be honest, I kind of enjoyed Star Trek Nemesis. Yes, it was terrible, and F. Murray okay, Abraham right. was uh, No, no, F.
1: Murray uh, Abraham was in insurrection. Oh, insurrection. Right. Excuse me. <laughs> Nemesis
0: was with was Tom Hardy's Tom Hardy, first American right. movie.
1: Which by which I just gotta say right now, yeah. there's a lot of hate on Nemesis. I enjoyed the hell I did out of too. Nemesis. I I saw it in the theater. I yep. loved it. From the moment I saw it. And in fact, to me, Nemesis, kind of the way that you have Shinzo and Tom Hardy and the Remans, yes. kind of feeds into how they design almost Eric Bana and the Romulans in the reboot. There, there you go. There's a certain connection there. That's a
2: good, that's a good. Uh, that's a really yeah. good point.
1: And I mean, the ship looks kind of similar, yep. right, in in some way. And and they they kind of have the same alien-looking design where they, I feel, Feel like they had to have been inspired at least a little bit, right?
2: Well, right. I think absolutely. The look of these Klingons. Just thinking about it now in the Abrams uh, Trek universe, you know, you briefly saw Klingons in the in the first movie. Um, They're mostly in the in the deleted scenes. Right. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Victor Victor Garber played the Klingon interrogator, right? Of all people, which I thought. Victor Garber from The Music <laughs> Man, from Alias, really? Yeah. But he sounded fantastic as that guy.
2: And so that was kind of okay yeah. seeing the Klingons wearing, you know, leather trench coats and, you know, these helmets that had the ridges on it and yep. I'm thinking, okay, maybe this maybe. is their way, or this is their way of hiding, you know, their less than cranium look, mm-hmm. you know, under armor because they're so ashamed. They're smooth look. Yeah. yeah, they're so ashamed. <laughs> yes. You know, but at the same time, I read a Star Trek novel, and Klingons did wear helmets in battle. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Brilliant. So I kind of say, okay, that's how I'm going to look at it. But in Star Trek Into Darkness, oh. you got to see more mm-hmm. of the Klingons. Oh. Right. And granted, most of the Klingons had beards. Oh, it hurt.
0: And hair. Oh, God, that movie hurt. (laughs) I think the
2: only high point for me in that whole movie was just a. Interaction on Kronos,
0: yes, yes, with the Klingons. That part was cool. That was and that was the best the part. of the it, it really was yeah. to that see the Enterprise crew as a real team in right. that one. Yeah.
1: yeah, and I just, I mean, as much as the Klingons had a different look, there, I, I, I thought it was really neat. It yes. was something I liked, different.
0: I, it looked and really. And when they start repelling like SAS operators, I'm like, oh shit!
2: <laughs> yeah, they're screwed.
0: Who no. needs transporters? We have ropes. That's the Klingon <laughs> way,
2: but. It they looked grew you know really grew on me, and I I really liked how they were how they're portrayed. Um, I thought it was interesting that when the uh, one lead Klingon takes off his helmet, it's like the Klingons in Discovery. their it's the evolution of that makeup in a way. In
0: a way, I can see that they got their 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 inspiration. They just don't from... have the the piercings. Right. Right. So, you know, look, there's a lot to be said for the show. I think, like I said, I think it's equal parts promise and peril. I think that I'm mm-hmm. going to stick with that. You know, if we were rating this, i definitely give it a fresh rating of three or above. I think the first episode is definitely highly watchable, despite the trouble in the first yeah. half from yeah. the stiff acting. And really, it's probably more stiff direction. yeah. Yeah, because
1: yeah, it might have been. I mean, the show though, you know, had suffered from the early production. There was
0: a lot of issues yep. in the back end, so a lot of reshoots. Right. I mean, and reshoots in television are usually the death now. But they managed to produce a slick-looking product that makes me interested for what the future has. And damn, if I don't love Jason Isaacs! So goddamn it, I gotta <laughs> at least watch the second episode. So. Look, I think this is the part in the show, this is not going to be one of our longest podcasts that we're ever going to have. I think we could we got as much out of 42, 43 minutes of television we possibly could at this oh, yeah. point. So in, again, instead of doing our one to five star rating, I want to put it to each of you. I'm going to start with you, Robert. Do you get CBS All Access and pay $5.99 a month to watch this, or do you wait for the Blu-ray collection to come out after the season is over?
2: There's part of me that wants to get it just you know to watch this, but at the same time I rarely watch television to begin with. So what is there really they're going to be offering me you know to make it worth the while? Mm-hmm. So I might just you know wait for you know the Blu-ray. Okay,
1: so you're going to vote wait for the Blu-ray. Got you. Will how are you feeling on this? <laughs> I'm I'm so torn. There's the part of me says I know in my heart I'm going to buy it. Yeah. Right? That, that's just how it's gonna be yeah but I'm really not happy about it yeah. I'm not happy about <laughs> having to buy this um
0: there's now when you say this I have to define do you mean the 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 streaming service yeah okay right
1: the the streaming service yes. I should say because i I gotta watch it I mean uh, I they they have me hooked at Star Trek that's Damn just it. it. <laughs> yeah um the advantage is of course there's two different plans right there's the 599 plan right and then the 999 plan with no commercials Ugh. and then there's also you're going to get access to like all the previous Star Trek episodes and other, there's other shows. Right. right. So I think it's definitely worth, I'm, I think I'm going to get it at least for the run of this. Yes. Right. And see if I have the value in it. I don't know if I'm going to find the value in it. I'm, I'm really not pleased about having to pay the money, but yep. I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to, I'm going to go with, uh,
0: you got to get it. Okay. Well, and, and I'm just going to dovetail on that and say that I think this is the way that all media is going. Disney, a few weeks ago, announced the fact that they're going to be pulling all of their properties, not just Disney movies, but they're going to be pulling all the Marvel films, all the Star Wars stuff that they just put on Netflix, is all going to make its way over to a new Disney streaming platform to be named that will launch sometime in 2019, around the time of Episode Nine. So... I think it's safe to say and that there's going to be multiple streaming services. I, I mentioned DC All Access because that's the name of their YouTube show. But DC is going to have their own streaming app, which is going to have a live-action Titan series. It's going to have the, the third season of Young Justice. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have all of their, their video catalog, their TV shows. And they're talking about doing like a Marvel Comics Unlimited comic subscription that mm-hmm. you get. So you have a true transmedia application. So this is the way of all media. I think we're watching the slow death of broadcast television. For sure. I oh, agree. Most definitely. And where we buy and then we stop subscribing when we're no longer interested. And it's gonna the, the ratings are gonna be replaced with how many subscribers right. do you have? Right. So does what does this wind up mean for me? It means that, like Robert, I am torn. Do I I I have a pretty insane Blu-ray collection as it is already. So, yes, I'm going to buy the Blu-ray because there will probably be tons for sure. of extras oh, yeah. on this. It's going to be worth it just for commentary. And if you're and a film feature. film and, and production fan, and Will, you mentioned that you were, I'm going to get the Blu-ray yep. for this. I mean that. And God damn it. You know, there's now two programs because my wife and I, this, I'm going to out ourselves here. You might have heard <laughs> this on a previous episode of, of the Graphic Content Podcast, but Amory and I really enjoyed that show The Good Wife starring Julianna Margulies. Oh, okay. It was a it was much more than just a legal procedural show. There was so much yes, it was soapy, but they also dealt with a lot of matter of the day issues like the surveillance state, the war on terror, the war on drugs. It it was, a, it, was it was definitely a very timely show. We really enjoyed that. Well, they have a sequel to that show called The Good Fight that stars many of the background characters in that show and damn it if they didn't re- renew that for a second season. So with that being said, between the good fight and Star Trek Discovery, damn it, I'm going to I'm going to get CBS All Access. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I, I just
1: oh, god. I know it just but it almost it's it's like you know you're going to get it, but you also just
0: leave a dirty taste in your mouth. It does. It does. Now look, I'm I'm going to put something out there to people who maybe don't want to get a streaming service. But if you are interested in Great Geek content on Geek and Sundry, which is part of their pay service, Project Alpha, they have, if you're into tabletop role-playing games or just interested in watching people play tabletop role-playing games, they are they have just released, um, and by they I mean this company called Medifius Entertainment, has just released a tabletop RPG called Star Trek Adventures. And they have some internet personalities like Hector Navarro, Amy Dallin, Sam DeLev, Eliza Pearl, and uh, one half of the library Mm -hmm. bards, Bonnie Gordon. Uh, The five of them are run week after week and do three-hour sessions of original Star Trek adventures, which, I'll be quite honest, is almost as fun to watch as watching a television show with all the special effects that we watch tonight. Uh So. I'm a big fan of Shield of Tomorrow. Maybe you want to throw your shekels that way and wait for the Blu-ray. There, and plus, there's so many great shows on that. So that's that's just... And and I wasn't even paid for that advertisement <laughs> right there. So, look, I, I we've got two guys here who are going to rent it. We've got one who's going to buy the Blu-ray. None of us here are uninterested in this show. And I no. think that is... I mean, there was the, always the third option, the nuclear option, saying, fuck this, I'm out of here. Right, you right. Know? But it is it is surprisingly good. I think is the best way to describe it. I mean, would you would you agree with me, Robert? I have to say that I was pleasantly surprised by it.
2: You know, mm-hmm. like I said, I had kind of a low expectation
0: going in. That's always good going into these things. <laughs> you and know, so, it keeps you
2: safe and warm yeah, inside. You know, so my expectations were so low that by watching this, it was actually all right. This is. This is really good. But I think a lot of people were probably really soured on it because of the whole, you know, CBS put in the kibosh on Star Trek fan films. Oh, God. And the whole, you know. Yeah, um, yeah.
1: That, that The fan legal battle.
0: Yeah. What did you guys just, real quick, not to go into a full review, but Prelude to Axanar. That was great stuff, wasn't I it? I didn't see it. Oh, God. Nope. It's free on YouTube. Yes. 20 minutes. I haven't seen it. If is is you can find 20 minutes to put together for it, it is wonderful. Will do. It's, it's it's you never think about Star Trek being a sit down and just talk piece like a uh, a National Geographic historical re- uh, um, uh, retrospective. I never thought you could do that in the Star Trek universe, and it might as well have been a History Channel special. Hmm. It was that well produced. So I'm sad to see Axonar not being able to be made a re- in their original fashion, but. Look, that's because they were obviously operating in the same... They didn't know, but they were writing a, a, a feature film, essentially, in the same time that CBS was that's developing right. this TV series. They
2: were going to do the, you know, the whole 10-year war yeah. with the Klingons. I know. And I, in my opinion, I think that CBS should have just said, okay, you're doing what we're doing, but your production is pretty good. What can we do... As a team together, yeah. If they brought in, brought them
1: in, like Alec Peters and yeah. Robert Meyer, Bermanet, mm-hmm. and all the guys working mm-hmm. on that, you know. I mean, it's always just just on the topic. It's always a bad idea to shut down the fan, right? I, the people who are loyal that are keeping you know the love alive,
0: the ones, yeah, the ones who kept the franchise alive. Exactly.
1: It, it's yep. always you're always. You're always going to anytime you you have to you have to control your property though, right? So at the same time, there's right. that. But at the same, you have to find a way to do it in a way that can service both ends, right? Right. And I think that as much as everyone hated on that, I actually thought that they actually made a pretty fair deal. They sure did. Um, that and they could have easily just said. Screw you and shut it down. I think it was damned if damned if they did, exactly. damned if they didn't. There was no there was no answer that was going to make everyone
0: happy. I, I guess I just lament a little bit, just to just to say that over you know, and of course I'm now crossing the streams again, but star, <laughs> you know, Star Wars, Lucasfilm sees fan films as the ultimate thank you letter to mm-hmm. their franchise. They don't feel threatened by it. And there are hours and hours of great Star Wars fan films that are on uh, YouTube and Vimeo and all those different services. Just like there's tons of great Star Wars, or excuse me, Star Trek content like Star Trek Phase 2, Star Trek Continues, all great stuff. And it's just sad that they couldn't have come to uh, a, a better agreement that would service the fan films, but we can get into a whole story about that <laughs> on another episode. Um, but guys, this has been a lot of fun. Please promise that you'll both come back into the high tech graphic content studio. Definitely, I'll come, I'll come back anytime you'll have me. Yeah, Likewise, this this is going to be great. We've still got a ton of nerd cinema coming out <laughs> this year. And uh, who knows, maybe we'll do a season wrap-up after we've watched, for those of us who have watched uh, that. I mean, Robert, you can sit in the audience and listen if you want. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. Or maybe we'll do a Blu-ray review. I, hey, let's do it. We'll figure something out.
1: So I will find a
0: way to watch it. Yes. About
1: <laughs> VPN Canada.
0: <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh, uh, uh uh, there was some weird <laughs> static that just came in all of a sudden. Oh, God, it's Paramount, don't sue me. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, look, i like to sign off with uh, pimping what you guys are doing. Um, Will, because you were first... Again, thank you, brother. I appreciate you being here in the studio. Is there anything online that you're doing that you would like to, people to, to take a look at? Uh,
1: my biggest project right now um, I, I'm kind of away from the podcasting game and, and the review game, but my biggest projects right now are based around photography um, in, in a variety of topics, but you can look that up at um, GoldenboyCalifornia.com, or look up Golden Boy Photography, and you're, you're going to find my
0: pages. So nice. please go ahead and take a look. And Robert, my Mando brother, Oya, <laughs> Oya, oh, yeah. Oya Mandalore. So, what are you? Where are you online? And and do you have any projects that you wanna wanna put out there for people to pay attention to?
2: Um, well, you can find me on Facebook as Robert Lucey. Just look for uh, me dressed as an Imperial. Yes. And um, Rebel scum. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Um, the only thing I'm really working on now is because. Crossing the streams here in November is Battlefront 2. Oh, boy. And I am currently putting together... Um, the
0: Inferno Squad costume. No sh- oh. <laughs> I don't know if if you figured it out from his jacket, Will, but he is a big-time Star Wars costume. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think uh, I think uh, think we can tell that. Yes, <laughs> and he's got some great gear. I mean, I've, I've seen this, and I'm so close on my Mando kit. I swear to God, I'm going to have it one of you these days. One of these days. You will. I swear. The Force S- wills it. The Force. <laughs> I am one with the force. The force is with me. I'm one with the force. The forces crossing the streams again. Shut yep. up, Jim. So look, let me uh, pimp a couple of things it, here. You see? Damn it, Jim. <laughs> and you guys didn't even talk about how I'm actually wearing It's a Red Shirt. I'm wearing a red shirt today. Yeah, I might not make it. I'll take a picture and post post that on Instagram. I love it. So uh, let me pimp a couple of feeds here for you. Obviously, you're listening to the Graphic Content Podcast, which can be found on Twitter at Graphic Podcast, on Instagram at graphiccontent.podcast, and the show's official page can be found on Facebook.com slash graphic podcast, where not only do we put out news and notes about the show, we also put about put out news and notes. From other sites, whether it's the accredited Hollywood sources like Variety and The Hollywood Reporter, to the comic book news sites like Newsrama, CBR, and Heidi McDonald's, The Beat. So you definitely want to follow and like us on. Facebook.com slash Graphic Podcast. Myself, if you want to get into what does Jim think politically, there's always at Jimmers with three M's. (laughs) I am a little active because that is my shouting box. (laughs) I, I shout my frustrations into the Twitter sphere. And some people actually listen. It's kind of creepy and cool all at the same time. I am on Instagram where I post pictures of my gaming sessions and my cat at Jimmers with five M's. And I'm simply Jim Mason on Facebook. So, guys, thanks again for coming into the high-tech graphic content studio. Since my regular partner in crime, Adam Messinger, is not here, you can find him on all social media platforms as at Adam S. Messinger. And for him, I will say, go read a comic. And for me, I'll say, after you read that comic, listen to graphic content.